Hi, my name is Tasha. I am 36 years old. I am a mother of three dynamic children. I'm an RN nurse. And I am a spiritual teacher. You're a spiritual teacher, I was asked. Yes. What is it that you teach? Glad you asked. So the main thing that I would like to drill down in the year of 2020 and the, the principles that I would like to teach are called psycho-cybernetics. Psycho-cybernetics. Um, and I say principles because this phenomena has to be explained in a way that people can learn and understand and practice it. Um, I believe that us as African Americans, we just possess innately the ability to tap into these principles just naturally. But in order for it to be teachable, um, it has been studied, it's been documented, and these are certain principles that we all need to learn. So let's say that in a house, there's a thermometer setting. You set your temperature at 73 degrees. That thermometer has a barometer in it that reads the temperature in said environment. And anything that comes along to disrupt that barometer setting set by you, okay, um, the thermometer, the thermostat will automatically kick into action, either raising the temperature or lowering the temperature to maintain the set temperature. And so, again, this thermometer setting was set by you, set for your comfortability, set for what you think or you feel feels best to you. You don't want to be too cold. You want to be too hot. You want to be comfortable. And so there's a reason why you're not comfortable when it's cold. There's a reason why you're not comfortable when it's too hot and you'd like to be comfortable. So you set the thermostat at the temperature that makes you comfortable. And when a gust of wind comes in the house, that thermostat is automatically without you going over to reset the thermostat, it's going to jump into action all by itself to either raise the temperature, to warm the house back up to your set point, or to lower the temperature to get it back to your set point. You don't have to go over to the thermostat and keep adjusting it and changing it. It does it on its own. That thermostat is your subconscious. Now, I don't like to call it the subconscious because the subconscious mind is actually the greater consciousness. And I call it the greater consciousness because as you're sitting here, laying there, driving or whatnot, listening to my voice, if anything that I say strikes a chord within you, you then start to daydream and ponder and reflect upon something that I've said. Are you still driving? Are you still cooking? Are you still 
doing whatever it is that you were doing before you became engrossed in the conversation. Yes, you are. But you're less aware of your surroundings. You're less aware of the car that just drove past you. You're less aware of the flies in your, on your ceiling. You're less aware of whatever's on the TV. That is because your subconscious is continuing to activate and, and cause you to move and act on autopilot. Without you having to, you can't be aware of, we are not built to be aware of two separate things and full awareness at one time. So you're listening to my voice, look down at your hand, look down at the person, look at the person next to you, and then listen to me again. As soon as you listen to me again, you're less aware of whatever you were just doing. Same is to be said about that thermostat, which is your subconscious mind. It automatically takes over while you're consciously doing something else, while you are consciously thinking and actively using your brain to carry out your daily activities, your subconscious mind, the greater consciousness, is in control of all the background, all that's going on in the background so that you can think through what it is that you have to do right now. And that greater consciousness has been hardwired to kick into action it's been hardwired to cause you to do and think and feel the way that you do it's been hardwired to take over take over all the time it wants to take over all the time it is the greater consciousness it is what has you it's what you've heard over and over again And you've heard it so much that it seeps down into your DNA and becomes a part of who you are. So, of course, we're talking about the emotional patterns that you've learned throughout your life from being raised by whoever you were raised by and being in whatever environment you were in throughout your lifetime, learning how to respond and to react to situations and different things. These are emotional patterns and these are thinking patterns that you have just experienced over and over and over again until it is a part of you and it's it's deep inside in your greater consciousness the subconsciousness the mind that is bigger than you and who you think you are and it's deep deep down inside of you locked away into a vaulted lockbox Meaning you can't get in. Not even you can get in it unless you reach a certain level of enlightenment and awareness to change your set point. We have to learn to change our set point. If we want to vibrate higher, if we want to live a greater life, if we want to not repeat certain emotional patterns and, and not have the same triggers and and do better for our children and create gener- generational wealth when we come from less than that, we need to 
go over to the thermostat, turn the dial, press the button, whatever you have it, to raise the set point. And this can be very difficult to do. Why? Because that greater consciousness is there to protect you. And it has been hardwired in your DNA to protect you at all costs. So you can set that set point and then things go well for you. Your life improves. You are unbothered, undaunted, living your best life. And then something happens and then your set point wants to, that greater consciousness is always wanting to be in control. That ego, it's wanting to, it's battling each other. And it wants to set the set point back down here where it was because that's where you were comfortable. And that's what it's used to. But you're like, no, I'm no longer comfortable there. So you go back over to your thermostat and you dial it back up because you're no longer comfortable with not being your true authentic self. So, cyber psycho, uh, psycho cybernetics teaches us how to change our thermostat, how to raise our consciousness, how to become pure consciousness. And this is the introduction to psycho Hey there. I am going to call this part one of the uh, psycho cybernetics talk. So let's talk about um, some of the things that we're going to see in 2020. In the new year, which is soon approaching, 2020, the year of clear vision, I'm hearing a lot of people call it that. And that actually is pretty fitting because. Um, As I've stated in several of my videos prior to this one, the world as a whole, um, we're we're becoming more conscious. We're starting to wake up. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm starting to have these conversations with more and more people that I meet. And when I talk to them, they're having this conversation more and more with people that they're involved with in their life. And so we also see it on social media. I always talk about that. And that is such a great thing because it's what we need to finally bridge those gaps and and build those relationships to elevate us as a people in the coming generations. And so as a whole, um, the world is, is waking up. We're going to see more and more of this in 2020. We're going to see people becoming more spiritual. We're going to see people embodying and embracing um, themselves and others fully and loving each other more. And how do we know that this is going to happen? We know this is going to happen because it's the turn of a new century. And that's just the way it is at Each turn of a century throughout our history, something cataclysmic happens to our our world and our way of life. Historically, that's just the way it's been. Every new millennia, there's a big shift. Every turn of the century, there's a big shift energetically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, technologically, uh, medically, just in the world as a whole. And that's what we're going to see 
in 2020. This particular shift is going to be more of a spiritual one. We're going to realize that our government is more of a joke than we thought it was. <laughs> and some of us are already there. But others of us are going to start to realize that you've been lied to. And you're going to start to wake up to the fact that um, a lot of the thoughts that you had about government and America and the way of life and all that, you're not going to feel those, those ways anymore. Your, your, your views are going to change. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not claiming to be a psychic or anything like that. It's not what it's about. Um, it's, it's just written in the, the stars which is our map. Um, so we know that these things are coming. And something else that we're going to see in 2020 is um, I believe we're going to see a change in um, medicine because it can no longer be ignored that these psychotropic drugs and uh, narcotics and opioids are a problem. Um Pop culture, hip hop, it's one of the most important uh, genres of entertainment, one of the biggest distractions that we have in our culture today. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we keep losing our stars, you guys. We keep losing our artists and losing lives to drug use and to depression and to suicide. And we're use, losing them younger and younger and younger. Um, you know, back when the soul singers were really coming into play, like in the 60s and 70s, you know, those guys lost their life, um, the ones that died young. And it's still happening today, but now they're losing their life at like 22, 23. At least Sam Cooke and them, you know, not saying that he lost his life to drugs, but, you know, those guys that died back then, they died of, like, some kind of tragedy. They was cheating and got shot. You know, there were some overdoses. You got Marilyn Monroe, you know, very young lady and all this kind of stuff. But now they're, like, 22, 21. What's his name? Juice World. Um, you know, it's just it's getting to a point. Uh, what's that one guy, the, the rapper? I can't think of his name. Young white guy. Um, but these guys are, are losing their life to suicide. They're so depressed that they don't have any hope for living. That's deep. And these guys are, are extremely famous and they have a following of young people who are, you know, they're witnessing this, they're watching this, they're looking at it, you know, and I think it's sad. It's terrible that we have, um, a society that, glorifies drug use and 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 almost promotes it and advertises it advertises it to our youth it's pretty sick you know um <laughs> the biggest consumer of hip hop rap music um black culture is white americans young white kids they are the biggest consumers of of this shit. I would say our stuff, but I don't even want to claim a lot of the stuff that is coming out nowadays because it has no substance. And it's it's like that for a reason. Um, 
You know, everyone wants our rhythm, but they don't want our blues. And they're willing to pay top dollar for it, okay? They, they're they the top consumers. And here we are trying to, they want to be like us and we want to be like them. Or we're trying to prove that we are what the stereotypes of us say that we are. And so our kids are so impressionable. And they're these rappers are rapping about drugs. Half of them don't even do them. <laughs> That's the crazy part. These these rappers aren't on drugs. These R&B singers and pop singers, you know, some of them may, some of them may be, obviously. Some of them, because we see that they're passing away and they're taking their life as well. Some of them are succumbing to drug use. That's the point of that whole, you know, what I was saying before. But a lot of these guys, are, they, they, they have master degrees. They grew up privileged. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, a lot of them went to, to private school or prep school and, and you know what I mean? But they're perpetuating whatever sells, whatever's going to make them more rich, whatever's going to secure the bag for them. So even though they know that their music is not, it's, it's more consumed by a white audience, but the black people are the ones who love it and who live by it. And a lot of these songs raise our black boys. If they don't have fathers in their home, they're, they're the most vulnerable to what they're hearing and seeing because their parents probably have it a little bit rough or maybe they only have one parent. And so, you know, they're raised part-time by the parent and half the other time by TV and music. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Because our, our, I'm African-American, I'm black. So our, um, our people are left to be the most vulnerable to these attacks from the government, from society, from all this, you know, what have you. And here they are trying to do what these rappers are saying that they're doing in these songs. And they're, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, uh, danger, money, kill, 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 shoot them up, pow, pow, pow. And that's, that's what they're doing. But in 2020, I feel like there's a shift that's going to take place. Um, not every city in America is riddled with crime. The one I'm in just happens to be pretty bad and I know a lot of people here don't believe that it is and I get that I'm Buckeye pride all day you know what I'm saying I love my city however uh I've lived somewhere else and saw that life was better on the other side <laughs> like there's a better way to live you don't have to struggle you don't even know you are at the time you know what I'm saying until you live a different kind of truth and you live something different then you say oh oh wow my eyes have been opened you know and so I see it a lot. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of crime. My friend, she says, the cities like this one in like Chicago, they have so many souls just <laughs> hovering over the city. They can't get out. They just so much death and destruction and, and murder and crime in these impoverished cities that these people don't even know that they don't have to be living that way. You can move, you know, uh, but that's hard to do too. I get it. But there's so many souls that just hover around these cities and it creates an aura of just treachery and debauchery and anger and depression and sorrow and pitifulness, you know? And so in these areas, you happen to have a misuse of drugs that is prevalent. And, you know, we have had an opioid crisis here in the last couple of years, but people are getting tired of, since we're getting more conscious as a whole People are getting tired of turning on the TV and seeing that this one and that one has died from prescription drug use. 
So I think we're going to see a shift in that area. And I'm not saying that um, Big Pharma is going to start rolling out drug preventative programs. They may if they find a way to capitalize on it. What I'm saying is that the people are going to shift. These children are starting to wake up. Their parents are starting to wake up and starting to say, hey, we're going to do some things differently. We're not going to be putting our kids on medicine. I'm against medicine. I want to get healthy. I want to get off all these 20 drugs that I'm on. Um, You know, what else? Um, Vaccinations. You know, you may see more of a fight against that. Someone finally won a case about vaccinations leading to autism. Those cases are really hard to win because those um, cases are heard by a separate special type of uh, jury and court system. It's different from the norm and they, it's just, just, it's ironclad. Like there's almost no chance of winning those cases (laughs) and they do that for a reason. So many variables to what could possibly lead to autism, even though there has been um, some would say proof. Some say, no, it's not proof. I, I don't know. Cause I haven't studied it that much, but I know that there's been a lot more cases of cancer and leukemia and autism in our children that, that it didn't used to be that way. We know why the air, the food, the medicine, the water, we get that part. Right. And so what I'm saying is we're, 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 we're tired of it. We're going to get tired of it more and more in 2020. Another thing that we're going to see more of in the year 2020 is um, for those that do not uh, elevate, you know, and become more aware of what's going on, technology is going to be pushed on, on that population. Technology is trying to take over the world. And it, that is also by design. Um, okay, you may think I'm exaggerating and going overboard, but technology is pushed on us for a reason, incessantly. And it's all about keeping us dumbed down. It, it, distracting us from that work on your inner man and that subconscious work that we all need to be doing to live a, our best life. If if they can keep us distracted, they got us. You know? Uh, who is they? Your own mind and who you think you should be in life and who you think you are and who you're, you know, based off of what you were told about yourself and your self-image. Also, um, your family members, whoever you hold dear. Also, the shows that you watch. Also, the music you listen to. And, and on and on and on. The government, you know, pressuring us to feel like we have to do this or do that, trying to, to scare us all the time if you get into that thing um and so yeah there's there's big money to be made from technology so best believe it's going to be pushed on us more and more and more in the years to come just all these new gadgets all these new machines robots are wanting to take over so they're trying to replace us guys with technology in case you haven't you don't get the, the gist of where I'm going. They're trying to replace this with robots and with technology. And there's a reason for that. The Illuminati is real. The powers that be, that is some real stuff. It's nothing to be feared. They're just the people who got this shit down pat and capitalized on it. Um, the, the problem is that they're capitalizing on it at all costs. They don't want everyone else to. That's what makes them wicked. They don't want anybody else to get to what 
they have to know what they know because if we knew what they knew we would be where they are extremely wealthy in control of everything else like you know what i mean so there comes a point where you can be good and good and good and then let that ego take over and switch over to being the most powerful even evil villain of all time you know knowing these truths and principles because the thing of it is you can do good for the right reasons and good things will come back to you but you can also do good for the wrong reasons and good things will come back to you. Let it marinate. It's just the laws of the universe. It's the laws of the universe. And it's less about your intention than we think. Um, so, yeah, more technology uh, is going to be pushed on us. You don't believe that they're trying to take us over with robots? Okay. They're starting off small. I was at the doctor last year or whatever, and um, the receptionist there asked me for my insurance card. So I gave her my insurance card, and she was looking it up, and she's like, oh, I got to look it up to find your information, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, you know, in like two or three years, we won't even have to do any of this. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, the, the microchip. I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard about the microchip. That shit sounds kind of scary to me. I don't really want a microchip. She's like, I know, but they're, you know, it's, it's coming. Like she works in administration and there are people in administration for healthcare are already being uh, prepped for its rollout. People are already signing up for it and trying to uh, learn about it and also getting it. There are places that are already, not the medical one, but the employee one. I don't think anyone anywhere has has um, been implanted with a medical chip it'll be implanted in your arm and your somewhere and it'll have all your information on it your name birth date demographics uh, all your health history so all they have to do is scan it and they'll know everything about you your, your blood type your genetic code your mutations everything like it's deep because it's technology that can fit all the information about you on a little chip and implant it in you and you don't you no longer need birth certificates and id and whatnots now i heard about this maybe 13 years ago when i was um researching uh illuminati when it was you know actually before way before it was all in the media news and stuff but um it was uh actually talked about it was a tape that i heard a recording between y'all know what the little details are not all that great. I didn't do my research, but I think it was like, um, who's the head of the CIA? Uh, whoever that guy was in Rockefeller. Oh, who was it? Jeez, I'm gonna have to look it up and get back to it. But it was, it was between, it was a phone call that was recorded between like they were, one of the Rockefellers and the head of the CIA at the time. Oh, his name is on the tip of my tongue. But they were planning. He was asking him, like, you know, how do what do you feel about the uh, the state of the world and how things are going? You know, chopping it up, like, oh yeah, things are good. I'll, but you know, I would be uh, excited about if we could roll out this new idea. And he told him what the idea was, and he's like, well, the idea is that we, um, you know, in doing deals with uh, the people who create these microchips and technology, and you know, we. We control that market already, so what we need to do is have everybody's information loaded onto this little microchip and, in, in, you know, make it mandatory, make it law 
that everyone has to have one, kind of like the birth certificate and the social security card. And that way we'll just have access to every everybody's movements, their actions, everything about them, what they're doing from the touch of a button is just looking up on the screen. I heard that hand to God years ago. <coughs> and here she is telling me about it, getting ready to roll out. And there are people in the world who are already getting implanted with the employee one where you don't have to clock in and clock out. You just scan your arm or scan your wrist or whatever. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, what in the world is, is, is this? That's not cool. People think that's cool. They think it's neat. Wow. What an advance for technology. But that's how it's going to start. It's going to start with them uh, distracting us with newer, better looking cars that are smart. So it's not just this. It has to come with a little something to get you. You know, it's not just a brand new, nice new car, the new model. It's also a smart car. So you got to put all your information in it. And they're replacing this, y'all, with robots. We're going to see more and more of that progression in 2020. Um, and so getting back to cycle cybernetics, that's going to be the key to maintaining your sanity, your consciousness, your God consciousness, your your presence of mind and your awareness. And see, those of us who are aware, uh, I don't like to say awake, enlightened or awakened, but that's, that's what I mean when I say that. Those of us who are truly being, we're going to want to detach from all that shit. We're the ones who are going to be like, let's, let's go somewhere that's less populated and set up shop there. Let's go somewhere that's not so plugged in to all this technology and stuff. And just, we want to be part of the nature and earth and, you know, some of us probably going to live outside in, in huts and stuff. You know, we got some extreme ones, you know, and want to do all that stuff. But, you know, some of us are going to want to unplug. And um, psycho-cybernetics is mainly about tapping into, I, I do understand the concept of inner child work. Um, I don't want people to think that. I mean, I don't really care, but I don't want people to think that it's, um, I'm bashing therapy or, or inner child work. Uh, all I'm saying is that you are the source of the knowledge that you need. That's basically what I've been trying to say. Um, and so, but as a concept, yes, we need to tap into our selves and our thoughts about ourselves. Because since we are human, even though consciousness is pure consciousness, we're human. We're encased in a physical body. And so we are going to be thrown off balance every now and again. We are going to have to continuously practice this thing because we're human. Okay. And so in being more aware we self-regulate and get ourselves back on track, but it does take practice because the way you feel about yourself and the things you think about yourself are so deeply ingrained into your subconscious from birth. Really, it comes from before the canal that you were pushed out of. You carry that person's DNA. And those cells that were joined with that person's eggs, you contain that person's DNA. So it's really more than just what you think and feel about yourself. It's, it's what was told to you, projected to you, how you were treated, 
all that's been ingrained in you. I can't stress that enough. I've been saying it over and over again, but I felt like I needed to expound on it more for the people who are like new to this kind of teaching and things like that. That's what I mean by the programming. It's it's conscious programming, it's subconscious programming, it's learned behavior, it's all of that from birth. Okay? And so, psycho-cybernetics, again, is about changing that thermostat setting. No longer am I going to see myself and view myself here, I see myself and view myself here. And this is something everyone needs to practice, even if you have great confidence in yourself, because we are not perfect and we all have bad days. We all have things that have happened to us that have affected us in some kind of way. We may have overcome some teachings and some things and learned to let things go, but we know that if we don't um, completely absolve some old habits, which come from our beliefs and our thoughts, that they tend to kind of reappear in our lives in different areas often until we completely absolved ourselves from that. And now we don't ever have to learn that thing again. We have raised ourselves up a level higher. I don't, I don't have to go through that kind of heartbreak and heartache or pain or feeling or whatever, embarrassed, um, rejected, neglected. I don't ever have to feel those things again about that situation. And that's something I don't ha- ever have to learn again. And you don't. And then you keep living and there'll be something else, <laughs> you know? And so... This is what we learn how to do. Changing the set point is changing your image of yourself and improving that image. How do we do this? We do this by reliving those memories that made us feel good. Reliving things that we've done that that brought us peace and joy, made us happy about ourselves and feel good inside. And we do that often and over and over again. We do that because what we tend to do as we're living life, see, every day that's a new day is an unknown day. We don't know. It's something brand new. We don't know what's going to happen. And we're living in a society through all these different avenues that I've already explained. They perpetuate subconsciously a sense of fear. This is where anxiety is coming from so prevalently in our society. This fear of the unknown, fear of the new day, uh, doubt, self-doubt, wondering, am I good enough? Wondering, am I going to accomplish what I want to accomplish? And how am I going to do it? And gosh, is there enough time in a day? And I have this on my plate and I have that on my plate. And those thoughts and worries trigger us to remember times where we failed in the past and where we didn't do this and where we never did that and how we did this wrong and we made that mistake. And we perpetuate that that negative self-image over and over again. And we've been doing it all our lives. All our lives. It's a habit that you don't even know you have because your greater consciousness is going to always try to keep you at a certain set point to where things are just comfortable. That's why every time you say you're going to get ready, you're going to get up and work out, not because you're vain, but because you feel better when you look good. You know, you you feel good when you go to the doctor and like you you're healthy as an ox. You ain't got no high cholesterol. You ain't got no diabetes. Your heart's healthy. Your lo- you know that you know no one knows where death is, but don't, damn it, you feel good that. 
I'm healthy. You know what I'm saying? And then you could be so motivated. And then the next thing you know, something will happen. You're, you don't even, nothing happens. You don't even know why. But you don't go that day. That's that subconscious pull that reminds you that <clears throat> you don't want to be better. You just want to be comfortable. And comfortable right now means sitting on this couch with a blanket watching Netflix. Or comfortability is not going outside because it's cold and just standing inside and eating ice cream. And then you don't go to the gym. Or getting a phone call about something and you get distracted and you haven't said, no, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to go take the time out for me. Instead, you get distracted and you don't go. Whatever it is. Subconscious mind is a trip. And so... You know, I have to say that there's a reluctance sometimes to share the benefits of these these um, principles and practices. And see, I work on myself like I work a job. I'm no better or different than anybody else. We all can do this. It's just that I put a lot of time into self-improvement, literally, you know. Um, and, and I've seen these principles work in my own life and they work instantly. Like it works immediately. And one, one of the, one of the ways, and I'll get back to that, but one of the ways is by changing that feeling that you have. See, pure consciousness is about those feelings constantly being reset to a point of pure joy. However, because we're human, the way to manifest and bring, like, it's like a, a row steps on the way to pure consciousness that have to be repeated like a, as a practice, as a discipline, you know, <clears throat> is the practice of improving self-image so that you create that feeling that you get when you accomplish said thing. It's daydreaming. It's dreaming. It's creating hope, creative creativity. First of all, that comes from your spirituality. That comes from your spirit. That comes from source. Creation and being creative and being intuitive, all that comes from source. So when you're creating in your mind by daydreaming or thinking, not planning and worrying, but like literally dreaming and hoping you want to be married, you see that in your mind and it feels so good. And before you know it, you're daydreaming and you're smiling and you want to accomplish a, a, a record as an athlete, you see it, you envision it. You are not your mind. I did that podcast uh, a long time ago. I just posted it um, a couple weeks ago. And you you are not your mind, but since you're human, you have a mind. And your mind is something you have to live with and deal with. Why not control that thing? Get control of yourself. And if you are partly your mind here on earth then you be what you think you are truly be truly be what you think before you became started becoming aware you already were living your life based off of who you thought you were or were supposed to be so now change who you think you are and feel that thing so when you project oh life is going to be so great when i have a new baby with my husband and you feel all gooey inside and warm and loved and just happy and excited. 
You just put that energy out into the universe for all that to come back to you. So this, and this is more than just, I've said this before too. This is more than just positive thinking and saying affirmations. That All that is a tool to use to get you there. It's about the feeling though. You can say, you know, God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food, the, the prayer you say before you eat your, your dinner. But when you live some things in life or you haven't had no food for however long, let's say you were starving when it's time to eat, you say that prayer, that prayer going to hit different. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel that thing. <laughs> That's the thing that I'm saying you have to kind of create for yourself. And you can only do that by getting rid of the crud that's deep within. You can't fake it. Like you can't fake it with the universe. You can't fake it with God. You shouldn't fake it with your religion. People fake it with their religions all the time, which is why things are in the state that they are in. This is not really even about religion. That's a choice to have a certain spiritual discipline or practice and believe in a certain vein. If you're going to go that route, I always say do that thing then, but stick to it. None of this fake Spirit, fake, fake uh, religious practices. Like the reason why Muslims get the res- uh, Muslims get the respect that they get is because they take their religion seriously, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. So again, we are changing our mindset, seeing ourselves in a more positive light. Um, you know, instead of reminding yourself that you tried out for this job and you got denied and then you studied and uh, worked in that field for two years and then you beefed up your resume and you submitted everything again and you feel empowered and you got denied again. Instead of reminding yourself of your failures over and over and over again, change the narrative about yourself by remembering your accomplishments over and over and over again. The fact that you have already done something that nobody else has done. Somewhere in your life, there's some record that you broke that you were the first to do it. Somewhere in your life, you accomplished something that nobody else in your family has done. Somewhere in your life, you have done things to make yourself proud about you. And you just choose to harp on the negative instead of the positive. And so, like I was saying before, there's a reluctance to share what what the the changes and the positive things that are manifesting and <laughs> and you know most of the positivity is just within myself, you know sometimes it's not even your environment changing or you winning the lottery or whatever. you just feel good about each day and each moment and each thing, and then it just stuff just falls in your lap that relationship that you want. You know, things ain't really going good. Next thing you know, they just come back apologizing with flowers and, and rings and, 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 and you know what I'm saying? It's just like, whoa, where'd that come from? And so, but since learning and practicing the, these uh, methods, you know, it's, it would almost come off as braggadocious or exaggerating to people. And it, so there's a reluctance to really share it. You know, um, it's not even a self-doubt. I mean, it is in a way something that you kind of just got to just do it. But there is a reluctance because it's so unorthodox. 
but so is the story of Jesus Christ. You know? It can be scary to introduce something new, something unorthodox, something that um, like sounds like tricky and magic-y, but that ain't it. Let's talk about that for a minute. Spirituality is not witchcraft. It is not witchcraft. Uh, that is one of the things that I know I had reluctance about because I come from a culture where church is a big part of uh, black people's lives. And, uh, you know, we love our religion and we love our practices and we are set in our ways. And that's that's fine. I don't have a problem with uh, that unless it's damaging to you and to your family as a whole. Then it needs to be examined and looked at and said, hmm, I don't know. Maybe there's more, <coughs> more to life than just this. And so, you know, a lot of times when you start to become aware of what life is really all about and shed those old narratives about everything, your family is probably going to stop liking you so much, you know, because they don't understand how you can be so happy and so content when you're when this is going on in your life and when stuff looks like that in your life they just don't get it and they don't like it and you're different and people you're making them uncomfortable okay is <laughs> what it is making them really uncomfortable being so zen and being so enlightened and being turning situations and conversations around to a lighter note just on a whim like magic they don't get it and so this is also goes back to what I was saying um, earlier about melanated folks. We naturally have the ability to tap into our spirit. See, this stuff isn't witchcraft. What it is, if you want to put a term to it, metaphysics is not witchcraft. Metaphysics is a real thing. And then African spirituality is the other part of it or, you know, what, what we as melanated folks possess in our DNA. We've forgotten it. We've forgotten who we are, but it's in our DNA and part of us knows it and realizes it deep down. That's why we all have this interconnectedness between one another as black folks. Y'all know we have, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. We have that pull for one another this is you see it and feel it more so in other countries than in america because we've really forgotten you know who we are <laughs> they've you know they've forgotten as a whole but we've we really forgotten who we are and what we stand for as black people from africa but it's still there and we feel it we feel it when we go to church we feel it the most there if you're still into that you feel it you feel it you feel that spirit when you are congregated amongst like-minded people and people who think and feel and worship as you do. And so a lot of people in the church are the most resistant to spirituality, which sounds like an oxymoron, right? But anything that is not comfortable for them, <laughs> I'm going to say that word a lot. Anything that makes them uncomfortable they are going to reject it. 
And that's going to be anything that speaks against their Bible, their Jesus, their pastor, or whatnot. There is makes them uncomfortable because they've been taught that these things are untouchable. It's been ingrained in them. You don't speak bad on it. You don't think wrongly of it. You just, that's what it is. Touch not mine anointed. And it's like, don't you think you're anointed? But anyway, um, and so you have this whole stigma when you start to become more spiritual, when you start to observe your surroundings and you're aware of everything, you come off as the weird one and they like shun you. You know, that's going to start to happen more and more in the coming years. And they do that because religion, a lot of the times, if not done correctly, will put you in a box. You're going to shut yourself off to all other uh, modes of thinking, all other teachings, all other information and knowledge that could only set you free. You're going to close yourself off from from that stuff when you are not practicing your religion the right way. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to, you know, badmouth anyone. Just let's be grown. Just having a conversation. Um, but that's what that's what you do um, as Christian in a black church or maybe some other religions experience it as well. And anything that you don't understand, oh, it's that devilment, that is that's witchcraft. When it's really just metaphysics and African spirituality. Metaphysics is what teaches us about our energy. And you hear those people say stuff like the universe a lot or Mother Earth or Source or things like that. And it is a real thing. Okay. It, that's how we, you can't explain, you can't think your way to consciousness. But because our minds are so fucking brilliant, we can kind of almost get there. And then and then the feeling and the truth of that experience has to take over. That's that's that missing part. We can learn it and teach it all day long. But that living it and that experience of it is the, what seals the deal, because the feelings you're going to feel as you're going through it are what propel you to a, a higher state of knowledge or information or a different way of thinking to get your way out of your situation. So that experience has to tie into the education and the knowledge. And some of us just naturally seek the truth. Most of us do. We seek self-improvement and betterment in the truth and knowledge. That's why self-help is a billion-dollar industry. And so psycho-cybernetics is a psychology. It deals with that astral body, the mind. And this ability is already innate, innate to us as melanated folk. Because we are made, molecularly, we are made up of the same structure as stardust. That is a fact. These are just the facts. The, the same material as stardust is the same material that our melanin and our skin is made out of. It's the same molecular structure as the dark matter in our brain which still cannot be explained by doctors as to what it its function is in our brain and how it works, but they know that we need it to sustain brain function. They don't know how it works. They don't know really what it does, but they know the absence of it means instant death. We are made of that same molecule. It's carbon. 
matter. It's dark matter. It's the void. And the void is not to be feared. The void is to be surrendered to. And we've forgotten how to do that as black people. <clears throat> but we do have that edge. That's why you have people who are so pro-black. Because it is a gift. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. They say that the darker you are, the um, old, old black folks of old used to say the darker you are. Well, for one, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. I heard that all my life growing up. But also the darker you are, the more connected you are to God. Now, I don't know if they knew what they were saying when they used to say those types of things, but it's actually true. You, you're a little bit more t- tapped in and tuned into your spirit. And it kind of makes sense because we know that lighter, fair, fair skinned folks around the world are treated better than darker skinned folks, which means we experience a slightly more negative experience in this world as our fair-skinned brothers and sisters, which causes us to what? Experience, elevate, think our way through, elevate, hone our spirituality. There's a reason for everything, every single thing. And so that's metaphysics. And they all tie in together. Like they're all saying, our religion in pure, unadulterated form, is saying the exact same thing as metaphysics, is saying the exact same thing as African spirituality. It all starts with spirituality. See, we've, we've forgotten who we are and built on these spiritual practices and principles. We, we've kind of like stuffed them down and created different constructs in its stead, like religions and stuff like that. And over the years, they were beating these religions into us, literally, Literally beating these different constructs into us. Take when we were taken. If if all life started in Africa, then we all, y'all, everybody here comes from a melanated person. All all that just makes sense historically, scientifically. Stay with me, okay? And so, as we're taken from our homeland and shipped off abroad to all these different places all over the world, Asia. Um, you know, the Americas, the islands, all Iceland, all these different Australia, you know, we're, we're going dispersed all over the place. And we take on their languages, we take on because of the climate, we take on their skin colors, we take on their customs, we take on their traditions, and we take on those religions, and those way of lives and those cultures and practices. That is what has happened to us as a whole. All across the globe. And over the years, our Innate spirituality has been forgotten, beaten out of us, erased. And so, yes, for those who want to get angry or jealous and say, oh, you know, black folks think they no, that's that's what it is. We are more connected to our spiritual roots genetically through our DNA. But it doesn't mean that all of us are automatically tapped into our spirit, because, again, we have um societal environmental factors at play here that can change all of that so we got to get out of this belief that this is this stuff is witchcraft and we're it's we're getting there it's going to happen more and more in the coming years people are going to start to say hey the universe is what i call god is source i am a part of source which means i am a part of god and then once you go down that rabbit hole there's no need to put your innate power 
consciousness, uh, you know, you don't, you no longer need a savior, someone external from you to believe in, in order to make it through life. That's a whole rabbit hole. And people come to that road whenever they get there. And it's, I, I feel personally that it is disrespectful to people, to individuals, to other, the other souls that work, walk this earth. It's disrespectful to just pluck them out of their belief systems and uproot them and force feed them some new shit. That's disrespectful. That's not done in love. They come to it when they come to it. Those that are listening to this, it's your time to come to it. Period. And so it's just a different practice, folks. It's not blasphemous. It's a it's a step above what you're doing, really, as, as a religious follower, unless you're one of those who can incorporate everything and find the lessons where they are in everything. You, you feel what I'm saying? So African spirituality teaches pretty much the same things. Um, in African spirituality, they believe that there are two worlds. There's a physical world that we live in, and there's a a world of spirits. True story. Like this is, we, we, we know about the other religions and the Bible stories, Adam and Eve, Jesus, Moses, and the parting of the Red Sea, Jonah and the whale, all the Proverbs in there that are really helpful. Um, all the words of Jesus that are really helpful and all those things. We know about all of that, but what we don't know so much about is the Quran and we don't know so much about African spirituality. And we don't know so much about these other religions. Catholicism, there's a whole another story. But um, we don't know about these things and it's time that we know these things. African spirituality, they have their own characters too. Horus and... You know, they have their own Jesus and their own. They do teach that God is the sun. If you're going to go way back to ancient African spirituality, the sun was God, which spawned the phrase son of God. Like all that stuff was twisted and turned into something that was more easily spoon fed to us, you know. Um, but they believe in two worlds. So African spirituality teaches that physical world, spiritual world, spiritual world is inhabited by um, your loved ones who passed away. Hence why a lot of us are now getting back to the belief about our ancestors helping us. That comes from, you just thought that you were like elevating to a whole new level of consciousness, but no, you're remembering who you are. You're going back to your African spirituality because that's, that's the, what they're taught already. Our ancestors that have passed away, they are there to help us and to guide us in our physical world life. They are there to to push us and guide us, but we have to go to them and and um, ask for their help. And African sp- spirituality teaches that we do that by pouring libations, like when you when you pour out the the liquid from the cup into the earth you're creating a portal to the earth um when you when you want to speak to your ancestors you build an altar and you present gifts wine favorite foods and fruits and cheeses and pictures or whatnot and that is where you go to solicit your ancestors help power, understanding, comfort, 
whatever. This is African spirituality. It's not witchcraft. It is not witchcraft. Um, it's a really beautiful practice. African spirituality is something that, again, we all can tap into it because it's a part of us. It connects us to the earth, the sun, the wind, and the rain. These are all things that help sustain life. And this is what African spirituality taught us to appreciate and to take care of and to worship, if you will. Not a man, not a woman, not anyone else. We really treated each others as um, equals. And we treated each other as uh, we wanted to be treated ourselves in our days of old. So it's not witchcraft. It's true spirituality. Then you have those of us who are tapping into metaphysics with the tarot cards. Um, I think it's awesome that so many people are trying their hand. Some are better at it than others. But it's not witchcraft. It's metaphysics. The tarot is a tool and the cards do not lie because it's all about channeling energy from your spiritual self from the, or your ancestors or whoever it is, your angels that are, are, are watching over you or guiding you in the spiritual sense. The energy is what you're tapping into because you've asked to and the cards are there to tell you what could happen and what may happen. In your life, we all have free will, though, and we can change the course of any. Some, I mean, think about it. A lot of us aren't even into that stuff, and <clears throat> and we're living our lives just fine. So it's not witchcraft; it's a tool to use. Same thing with um, astrology. Astrology is not really metaphysics; it's astrology. But astrology, tarot, and all that can tie in together. Stay with me. When you're born. You are imprinting your birth chart in the stars at that very moment, at that moment when spirit in our in our fifth dimensional realm, they call that the spiritual realm is given that spirit is given a gift. To be able to experience life in a physical form and and become a human and it joins with spiritual matter joins with the physical matter, egg and sperm, and through the portal of life comes a brand new human being. And in that moment, you're given an astrological map of your life. That is what our signs are. Our zodiac signs. That is what the zodiac and the stars are. It's a map of your life. How can we believe that God has everything in control and he knows our end before we even begin, but we can't believe that we have an astrological map of our life and, and it telling signs of the person that we are purposed to be through our zodiac and through our birth charts. How can we how can we believe in the Bible, but we don't believe in that? It's amazing. If anything, <laughs> if anything, to me, that proves more and more that there's a God than anything else. Like all this stuff, all this knowledge that we have at our fingertips that we used our minds to figure out and to document so that it can be taught and learned. That's amazing. And all this stuff fits together. Are you serious? That's God to me. Like that's 
Only God. Only God could create such masterpieces that that you are born as a Scorpio with a Libra moon and a Cancer rising and Gemini in your 10th house. And when you learn this about yourself and read about that for yourself, you start to say, oh, my God, that is me. And this is what my hangups are. And this is how I can improve myself. And this is how I can better myself. And it actually fits and it actually works. But you don't want to believe in it? Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's not witchcraft. It's just not witchcraft. And this concludes part one.